Hello out there, everybody. Welcome to the fifth episode of Things I Learned in Therapy, also known as Tilt Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Bree, and I'm here with the lovely and radiant... <coughs> Excuse My me. My name is not Burt. My name is <laughs> Chloe. I'm here. Hello, folks. We're back in the studio. I'm not fresh off the sesh, but my... Uh, I'm literally I'm already gonna start saying something about my therapist I just realized I forgot to tell you please that Elise told me to start lo- like making love to myself more yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you told did me. I tell you that mm-hmm, but tell, oh, ever, tell everyone oh yeah no find your sexy find my yeah Elise my therapist wants me to find my sexy there's the the literal only time she's ever seen me be uncomfortable in therapy is when she was like when do you feel sexy and I was like <laughs> I was like, I literally have done pole dancing and not felt sexy for one mo- There was one time. I swear we're going to finish the intro. There was one time, right, that I went to a pole dancing class with our buddy, Ellie Musgrave. No. It, oh, yeah. As a freshman. Because I had done pole in California and I loved it. And... The thing is, like, as much as I really admire and respect and wish I had the skills for, like, um, pole in, like, the stripping context um, with, like, the heels and everything, I cannot. I do, like, athletic, like, just strength moves and spins and stuff pole, and I don't do it with heels. But we went to this class, and it was, like, the way that the instructor warmed up was, like, to moan as loud as possible. And, um, and I was like, I'm screwed because this one, so like she had, she, we, I, she came over to me right during the class and I like, we were practicing a series of moves that she had us put together. And so I finished like the series and she was like, now do something sexy. And I honestly, in my mind, like I blacked out, (laughs) I didn't literally in the situation black out. But I honestly was so it was I I lost my memory of that few seconds because it was so mortifying and like the most nightmare. My my brain shut down because that's the most the scariest thing you can do to me is to, to just come over in a public space and be like, now do something sexy and I'm going to watch you. And then she just made this face at me like after I was done and you can't hear what that sounds like. But it was basically like, I'm disappointed in you and you should be ashamed. It was a uh, very droopy frown. Yep, she was really nonplussed. So that was the last sesh that I was fresh off of. Topical. I had therapy yesterday. Oh, shit. Yeah. Did last therapy session in person well she was like well we need to plan a uh what's it called terminal session which sounds ominous she's like we need a terminal session so that can be that airport terminal that'll be on the phone yeah um wouldn't it be funny if when you were oh you're not flying out to pittsburgh if you were flying it would be funny if she's like we need to have a terminal session what she meant was that she was going to meet you at the airport (laughs) and she was going to sit with you in the terminal until you got on the plane she would never also she'd have to buy a ticket and go through security it's true and um i will say she's not that committed to me no no but she okay maybe elise and i would split the cost you and elise could definitely you you guys have a (laughs) i'm gonna say go ahead and say it a much better relationship I feel confidently <laughs> about that, and I'm sorry that that's true. We just talked about, like, I don't know. I don't even want to go into it right now. But I will say uh, that my aunt um, offered to buy me a membership when I'm in Pittsburgh to um, this, like, circus arts place. And oh, I'm awesome. so freaking pumped. That's great. Because I, first of all, you know, lifelong dream, run away and join the circus. It's mm-hmm. finally happening, except I'm going home to join the circus. And um, there's pole classes available. <gasps> oh, my God. And I'm also, I've also invested in roller skates. Oh, fun. I'm following my lifelong dream of being a roller, of being a skating um, acrobat. So, just... That's where my future is headed. Things are looking up, I think. 
as long as my nerve condition can stay mm-hmm. manageable. Yeah, I think all we really have to say about your therapist is like, if your therapist is withholding meds from you or is unwilling to work with you about your experience of medication, um, based on your experience, just leave them. That's not, that's unacceptable. Well, uh, great point. And guess who's doing that? This person. Nice. I'm pointing to myself with my thumb. That is great. I am happy for you. Thank you. Removing myself from all the toxic situations in my life. And I'm bringing my cat with me. So anyway, today's episode. Yes. <laughs> we are going to have, we are going to start. So we started with that. We um, got a lot. On, got a lot. I was going to say a lot under our belt. That's actually what we're talking about, though. We got a lot out of the way under our belt. Yeah. And we're going to get in there some more. Yes. We're going to dig a little deeper. And first, we're going to do sex laughs. Mm-hmm. Things that were funny and sexual. Yeah, we've been teasing this for, <laughs> I feel like, two episodes out of five now. And we had so many sad yayas to get out. And now we can get out some sexy yayas. It's like, I feel like it's going to be a little anticlimactic. But like, you know, yeah. whatever. So we're going to talk about funny stuff that happened. Okay, but then yes, we're going to talk about some uh, serious stuff. Mm-hmm. So we can do a content warning later, but just yeah. so yins know. All right. It's going to be about abuse. Wah, wah. That's one way to say it. <laughs> wah, wah. I didn't know how else to. You know, like, yeah, there's it. no good way to be like, woohoo. Emotional trauma. That's yeah. what this podcast is about anyway. It is. But um, we're working on it. It's gonna, I think it's getting a little more lighthearted. Yeah. We're working through some stuff. Working through some stuff. This is secondary therapy, after all. It's true. So let's start with some sex layouts. Sex laughs. Okay. Sex laughs. You start. Okay. Um. So I've been meaning to talk about this for a while. Um. At Bree's encouraging, I um with my partner Pat. At the beginning of our relationship, we um, mostly, I was, I topped for like the first few months of our relationship, um, kind of because, I mean, partly because I really wanted to top for a while um, and never invested in a strap-on because they're expensive. And then I found one on Love Honey, shout out, like throw a silicone dildo in there, 40 bucks, get some free shipping. Actually, that's where I gave you the, <gasps> the um, pink one. Yeah, they threw in like a pink, like the classical interpretation of a like rabbit vibrator. They just threw that in there for free, and I gave it to Brie. It was nice. I didn't. Um, it was decent quality, and yeah. I didn't have one. Yeah. So very so nice for me. Thanks to our not sponsor, Love Honey. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you want to tweet at them and get um, a sponsorship, that would be really cool. If a sponsorship especially just means they send us, like, three sex toys each, great. We'll take it. Yeah. So, that was my relationship. And here's the thing you should know about Pat. They are six foot four. And I am approximately five foot four. Maybe half. Four and a half. Um, so, I had never topped, like, a mask person. This is butthole. Before in my lifetime, many were interested. None took the plunge. I finally did. I got in there and I was really nervous about it because if you're my size and your partner is that size, here's what you probably look like. A tiny little chihuahua humping a very large dog, potentially completely ineffectively. There's like this whole thing where if you can't feel your dick, then you don't know where it is. So I didn't realize how hard it would be to figure out where the actual butthole was for penetration. Like sometimes I would slip out and I just wouldn't even know about it. And Pat would kind of start making a face. I'd be like, is that a good, is that a good one? Turned out my dick wasn't even in there. (laughs) So were you like facing each other or you just like, yeah, there are definitely, there are shortcomings. There are fallbacks of, a couple of different positions like I'm at a weird height to be like 
to be doggy style and then like if they're lying flat and I straddle their legs basically and just try to enter the butthole that way it's kind of like a the cavern is a little bit closed off mm-hmm. and then so mostly I we do missionary um but it's still funny their torso is so long and their legs are so long that like they're so far away from me with their torso when I'm at their butthole and then their legs are just like <laughs> surrounding me. Um, I feel like an, like I'm an, an explorer crawling through <laughs> some giant cave structure. Um, but um, it's, yeah, it's like, it would be a lot easier. The, the, the day that they invent like an attachable android penis that i'll be able to actually have nerve endings in will be really good for me yeah i want one of those just for my day-to-day life yeah like oh I just a strap on or oh the android yeah the no, android no, 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 i feel you penis i mean also a strap i've been thinking about investing in one for years so probably yeah. should just do it yeah sometimes but i just sit on top of pat when I get out of the shower and I'm like, look down, I'm like, what would it be like if this was my penis? Mm-hmm. You know, like if you like if I just straddle them when they're lying down, it looks like I have a penis. And I'm like, eh, this is kind of is this good or bad? I, f- I feel it out. It's I was I just this just popped into my head of this one time I was like my friend and I were like really like digging each other and maybe going to hook up. And they were like walking me home. And they, like, wanted me to, like, grab their dick. And it was, like, it was appropriate in the situation. It wasn't, like, out of nowhere type of thing. But they were, like, I want you to grab it like it's yours. And, like, I have definitely thought about, like, A, having a dick. B, like, that thing of, like, I've been, like, squatting on someone and, like, jerking them off. And being, like, Mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, this is great. I want to do this to myself. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, I hadn't thought of, like oh just like for some reason that exact way of like saying that yeah hadn't like popped up in my brain and I was like this is so hot I just like I don't know maybe that's like a thing like people like hear all the time but I've never heard that they're like grab it like it's yours and I was like I would love to (laughs) did you yeah awesome yeah it was great congrats thank you yeah is this a good time for you to... I have a note that says you're going to laugh about Dave's dick. Is this oh. a good time for that? Sure. I mean, it's, like, very anticlimactic. I was hooking up with this dude named Dave. We were, like... Um, we went on a long bike ride. We smoked some weed on his fire escape. We were, like, making out in his bed and, like, getting naked. And um, then we were, like... I think I was, like, going down on him or something, and it, like, made, like, a funny sound or something, and I, like, laughed because I thought it was funny. And then he, like, stopped and got really serious and looked at me and was like, are you laughing at my dick? (laughs) And then I, like, had to laugh more because that's hilarious. I was like, no, like, yes, kind of. Like, why are you mad? (laughs) I laugh about my vagina all the time i know well i think what was like funny to me about the situation was like the difference in expectation like this person was like this is a sexy moment it's very serious like we are doing it and i was like that's not how sex works for me it Mm -hmm. is funny it is a lot of different emotions and i guess i think the reason i brought that up when we were like making notes about this segment was um that like I think for me everyone's different for me I think laughing is like a super important thing to be able to do in sexy t- moments yeah like it's very important to me too like it doesn't it's not like every time something hilarious happens and you both like have a cackle <laughs> it's just like when you're both witches in the bedroom yeah which you know boil boil what is it toil and trouble <laughs> there you go um that's a witch threesome it's a witch threesome so that's exciting and that could happen too but like it's like you can be like going at it and it's really fun and then you like there's like a farting noise from your vagina which like happens for me sometimes and you're like haha and then like you can like have a laugh together and like i don't know 
that's endorphins mm-hmm. and then you like keep going you don't even have to stop I don't know I'm like having trouble finding like a specific example yeah. to like paint the picture here but do you know what I mean oh absolutely I'm just thinking about I'm trying to think about what position it was that usually makes me have the queefs have a case of the queefs I think it might be doggy style I just there was a time that I genuinely had like 30 seconds of queefs and just I thought it was over and every time I would shift <laughs> it was just more <laughs> so like so long that we had already laughed about it and then it would come back and then we would have to laugh some more it was like I'm not exaggerating this for the radio this was years ago and it like this was when I was like 17 and I still remember how dramatic this was <laughs> luckily I was with a a caring long-term partner and he thought this was as funny as i did i think it was also at the end like we had finished and then we could, couldn't get anything done because my vagina just had to empty <laughs> itself out um that, so that's my life that happened to me with somebody at, and like where it was like at the end and i just was like one last like and i was like oh man that was really intense and i just guess i had to burp from that end and they like looked really concerned and were like oh and i'm like how did we get to this point that you don't think this is funny that's (laughs) ridiculous i was like what is wrong with you this is a red flag that was hilarious like their loss that they don't find comedy in that i know i was like this is a perfectly hilarious we just had a great mutual orgasm happen it's a sunny morning and now I had a hilarious sound come out of my vagina. Like, what could be better? It's just like, why the, are you mad? The cherry on top. Yeah. The way that I deal with the vulnerability of sex um, and like being open about your desires and that kind of intimacy by being silly. And I think some people deal with it by being really serious and then like there's a you know there's a chink in that vulnerability or like the the vulnerability comes through when people like it i don't know i don't i don't understand it honestly i I haven't i can see why like it's not that i don't understand why dave was (coughs) uncomfortable like i think i i get it and i can also like reflecting on it see like oh, if I, like, was taking myself super seriously and thought someone was laughing at my genitalia and, like, didn't have the same, like, mindset, that could really hurt my feelings. Like, I understand that. It's just that, like, it's not my perspective and it's part of what makes it comfortable for me. And, like, like my personality isn't, like... I I don't know. This is, like, a whole new other loaded thing where, like, some people like to role play or be, like, this is who I am when I'm boning versus, like like lady in the streets freak in the sheets that duality of man situation that people like to talk about sometimes or like you know like what's your bedroom style but I feel like I'm literally just me yeah that's what I was about to say is that I I can't not be myself I mean when I was involved in BDSM like role-playing especially even even just having a um like a dom sub scene like that involves a lot of role playing and i've only been capable of like being myself in those situations even being involved in bdsm i was just like myself but submitting i feel like i can play yeah i feel like i can be myself but play different roles of myself or like there could be like a role playing thing happening where like there's acting and stuff, but f- yeah, I guess for me it's like the most comfortable thing I can do is to like candidly be myself and be like communicating constantly about what's going on and like trying to um, be empathetic with my like partner that I'm with and make sure everybody's comfortable because that's just like how I am as a person. Yeah. I don't know and like part of that is like funny stuff happens and like really like exciting nice things happen and then sometimes you just have to stop yeah and that's okay too Mm -hmm. I think for the sake of time we should 
cover our last few sex laughs and then we got to move on to the darker <laughs> stuff. Um, I was just going to share about my hemorrhoids um, because when I was on my big European vacation with Pat, I found out or I, I a small potential hemorrhoids issue from something like from all my medical stuff last year turned into a big European hemorrhoids issue because we were walking like six hours a day and we were, I don't know, using German toilet paper. I don't know. <laughs> Turns out the German word for hemorrhoids is hammerhoiden um, because we had to go to a pharmacy and get hemorrhoid cream there. That's how you know your partner is good to you when you're like, I don't know if I can ask this German pharmacist for my hemorrhoid cream. What if they're going to judge me as an American tourist? And then your partner's like, excuse me, can I have this hammerhoiden cream? Like... Here's the Google translation. And then the pharmacist was actually really nice to us. Um, but I, like, the way that I figured out that I had them was that, like, I bent over full butthole display and they, like, got in there with a f- iPhone flashlight and checked them out for me and took a flash photo. And I was like, oh, yeah, those are definitely hemorrhoids. But then I didn't want to stop living my full, like, sexual life. So I brought my one of my favorite toys is um, a vibrating butt plug. And the way that I got around this was to just to cover my butt plug in hemorrhoid cream, which turned out, you know, it seemed like it really did some good stuff for my hemorrhoids. I actually would recommend it. My like small butt plugs. Don't go too big. You got to go easy on the butt in those situations. But it actually it did actually help. Did the. Uh the vibrating it didn't like hurt your i don't think i turned the vibrator on oh okay yeah because i too have hemorrhoids i have googled like doing anal with hemorrhoids yeah some people i've seen like they use like a lot of like lube that agrees with their body and it actually can help just because it's like moistening up the area Mm -hmm. for me sometimes i get my hemorrhoids get worse because i'm not hydrated enough Mm. so then the poop hurts yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Um, oh, but we were talking about comparing hemorrhoids. Yeah. Before. Oh. Audience, oh, yeah. Audience oh. feedback. Do you guys want to see comparison photos of our hemorrhoids? Oh, my God. I told my dad that we might um, post photos of our hemorrhoids side by side and ask our viewers, list our listeners. They would be our viewers in that case. They would be our butthole viewers. Yeah. Our ask voyeurs. Our, our voyeurs to... If they could figure out whose hemorrhoids were whose. And my dad was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, so that's my relationship with my dad. All of the people in his life, like all of my family, my mom, my sister and I are like um, very mentally ill. And at this point, he is just at peace. He's so excited if somebody just feels good at all it's like what's that you're doing like dick trapeze in like i don't know where on the empire state building you're doing dick trapeze and it costs five hundred dollars like literally if at this point this makes you any more mentally stable i don't even care anymore that's great (laughs) i feel like it would cost a thousand dollars minimum oh absolutely to do that. it I would mean, cost he, thousands like, of dollars to do dick trapeze on them unless you were literally you were just boning and like you had a skirt on or something yeah i don't even know what dick trapeze was i was just trying to think of something funny could be there are a lot of ways that we could interpret interpret dick trapeze another audience request so everybody draw a dick trapeze tell us what you think it oh looks my like. god please do we have a couple prefaces that we should start with one of which is we are about to discuss experiences of emotional abuse you know just a lot of forms of emotional trauma in our romantic relationship specifically um a different time we can get into my um, abusive relationship with my sister um it's a whole nother that's episode. a different bag of trauma bag so of worms. different bag of traumatic worms but um we so this is yeah this is your warning that you know if this is going to be a lot for you to listen to or is going to be triggering then um cut cut it off now and come back for next month when we talk we might be talking about sex parties 
Yeah. Um, so more fun sex things. Mm-hmm. I guess my other preface would be that I came into this with a like a kind of just a list of things that I've experienced because um, uh, Pat was editing or not editing. Pat was giving me like a last run over of episode four before I posted it, which is, you know, their kind of unofficial job. Thanks, Pat. Love you, baby. Shout out. Um, and they were like, oh, you're being like I, everything in here is great. But the end of the episode is really vague. And I think if you talked about your specific experiences, then it would really help. And I kind of assumed that we had already really gotten into it. But I don't think that that's true. I think that between you and me, we've talked about it um, like really in depth and not definitely reference it a lot in here but not necessarily gone into it and I've recently been kind of um a lot of stuff from my first relationship has come back to me which is like the most you know the most intense like my my other toxic relationship I would I mean it's very toxic but I don't know I wouldn't necessarily call it abusive I would I would say that there were some instances of gaslighting but like for the most part it was just a really toxic dynamic and 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 he was kind of like manipulative but it's unclear how much intent he really had in that or like you know it's complicated but um so I'm just basically going to be listing off some stuff and I hope that um like not only does this give context to some of the other stuff we talked about but like you know it's a good I, I hope it's validating in terms of other people's experiences. So is there anything you want to say as a preface? Um, just that I'm... Chloe's, like, more articulate about this stuff. I'm, like, less clear about, like, what stuff happened in each of my, like, difficult-slash-toxic relationships, which, yeah, I'm... I don't feel as like confident as to like like I'm really very much in the process of working through like what like was abusive and what was just like not just but what was toxic and like power imbalance stuff happening so I feel like less prepared to talk about it even though I think it's important so sometimes I might just need to like riff off of Chloe and be like oh yeah me too (laughs) yeah I'm basically here to I'm here with the advantage of, like, time and distance to unpack this stuff. Um, so, I guess we can get into it. Here's the scene that I will set. Um, I was a freshman in high school. I had never dated, kissed, done anything with anybody before in my life. There was a guy in my French class. French class who was like three years older than I was, I had a crush on him. Um, At the time, I thought that if, you know, somebody was like hot to you and funny, like that's the person that you should be dating. Like, like actual emotional connection didn't really occur to me as something that, you you know, in a high school relationship, like what are you, what are you coming there for? Like, that guy's cute. He said a couple fun things sometimes. I'll message him on Facebook. So we started dating because I made the move on him on Facebook. And in retrospect, I realized that he was basically in this situation because he was like, oh, you are young, impressionable and into me. I can get some sexual gratification out of this situation. Ultimately, I never had sex with him um but like he was my first kiss we went through all the bases up until penetrative sex um for the first time in my life and I never actually came face to face with a penis this this indicates to you how young I was I was like I don't understand that thing I don't want to deal with it right now makes me nervous I want it to be I don't want I want to keep that away (laughs) I want to keep it locked Lockdown under, you know, lock and key. So I feel like I I, rem- I remember touching it over the pants and not knowing if it was in the right place. 
I like I never met his friends. I think he was in not I don't know if he was embarrassed or he just, you know, he didn't take the relationship seriously. I was infatuated with him. I didn't know what a real relationship should be like a good relationship should be like. Um and I like he met my family all the you know, he we would hang out my house all the time. He would hang out. I would bring him around to hang out with my friends all the time. Like um we dated for 4 or 5 months, which is a long time in high school when you're 14 and um my memories of our relationship are mostly that um he like told me what my hair should look like he a couple times like commented on my body and like squeezed my stomach and like told me that I should go to the gym um there's this one thing that came back to me recently that was really shit where like valentine's day rolls around I'm in San Francisco he won't text me back and like I and he posted on Facebook that he was in San Francisco but he wouldn't text me Valentine's Day right and basically what transpires is that he messaged me on Facebook called me all sorts of nasty things like just basically tore me down I don't know I don't remember what he said that I was ugly that I was awful I don't remember and then he came back like and we and we broke up over a message like he broke up with me and then he came back like an hour later and was like oh my god I'm so sorry my ex like my ex-girlfriend broke into my Facebook and messaged you all these things and I knew that that didn't make sense at the time but this guy was telling me this he was like oh no no I would never do that to you like I want to be with you And even though I knew that that didn't make sense, I didn't have the confidence to be like, we're through. I'm not going to deal with this. So we dated for a little while still after that, like another month or two. And um, the way that we broke up ultimately was that he told me that I had done something wrong. And if I didn't figure out what it was in a week, he would break up with me. And I was like, can we please talk about what happen like what are you upset about and he was like no if you can't figure it out it's your fault and so he did he broke up with me after a week and the way that he broke up with me was he ripped up all the pictures that we ever took together put them in my locker with a note that said goodbye like at school and like I'm pretty sure he was around when this happened and so he saw me like sobbing in the hallway because this was probably was this was the worst one of the worst moments of my entire life And one of the things that came back to me again recently was, like, that he, I had to give him some, like, some stuff of his back at school. And I remember going to him and handing him this stuff. And I was so worthless to him that he would not look at me. He reached behind himself without turning without looking at me and took the stuff from me um and that just killed me and I um was significantly depressed for like a year year and a half after that to the point that like my friend's mom told my mom that I should probably get some professional help and now looking back I'm like It's because he completely destroyed my self-worth. He told me that everything that I had suffered was my fault and then, like, humiliated me. And I didn't have the tools to process that. And I don't think I talked to anybody about, like, you know, my parents knew or, like, I talked to my mom about this. Like, she kind of knew what was going on, but I don't think I ever processed with anybody until, like, being an adult in therapy um like how horrible and traumatic that was and like I remember like being somewhere like having a fun like like a year I don't know how much later I don't even remember if we were still going to school together but um I remember like my friends and I were having a fun day in the city and like he was there he like was at the mall and I could not relax I went to the bathroom and I had a breakdown and we had to leave for the day because like I just could not handle being around him being like knowing that I might see him and I had to go to school with him for like uh 
like the rest of that semester and the year after that we broke up um and yeah it just felt it felt horrible for him to be around and I felt like he like knew how worthless I was all the time um and like we just completely ignored each other but um he actually the the like ridiculous end of this story is that when I was a senior in high school he slid into my dms on facebook and was like oh I'm, I want to apologize because I treated you really badly um when we were dating like years ago and so I'm sorry for that and I was like thank you for apologizing that's all I wanted to say and I you know I said that and then he tried to chat me up he sent me a message trying to chat me up on facebook and I laughed for 10 years and I was like, this motherfucker, if he thinks he has one chance in hell, he has another thing coming. And I never I never replied to him. I, I left him on read and I've never talked to him again. And I hope that he's suffering. So that's my like. So the fact that that was my first relationship and all of my first and it happened to me when I was 14. Like now that I reflect as an adult, I'm like, oh, did that ever set the stage for every experience that I had with a partner from then afterwards? Um, I don't know if you knew about all those things. Some of those are like recollections that I had in the last few weeks. I didn't. I knew you had a shitty um, ex-boyfriend from when you were 14, but I didn't know like what happened. It sounds really bad. Yeah. I know we need to take another breath after that. <laughs> I um, I have a few more things that I can say about like my other significant toxic relationship that was uh, a few. That's how I feel about it. I like have had to fart this whole time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That's, you really have to purge after hearing about all this trauma. I really did. Um, when you're 14, man, it's like, you can't know. No. Oh. Yeah, so basically, if there's... I was going to say, if there's stuff that you want to talk about right now, um, you should totally cut in and talk about your experiences. I'm kind of lost, like... I think we should keep going with you. And maybe we can read some, like, warning signs of some red flags. Yeah. I know that when we... Like, the way that we spoke about this generally in the first episode was, like, here are the signs of a sticky boy. Yeah. Um, And, like, here's what to do if you think that you might be one. Um, But I can say a few things about, like about red flags um i mean the problem with the situation like that like i like kind of the the default setting of those guys is like you know if you're if you're manipulative you know how to like sell it at first and appear to be like decent um and it doesn't appear until much later like it it, it becomes clear over time I've seen people describe it as, like, being, you know, when you put a frog in hot water versus, like, when you raise the temperature. Um, Like, if it gets worse over time, then by the time it gets really bad, like, it feels, like, normal. Um, Especially if you don't have a lot of experience. So, I mean, part of the reason why I wanted, or, like, a big reason why I wanted to talk about this is because it's so common for femmes to not count their abuse as abuse to not count their rape or assault as that like to assume that what it looks like is something different than what their experience was that like um that abuse always looks like you know a a black eye or that rape is always a stranger in an alley um and like that you don't get to claim that that you know those labels or your trauma is invalid um and so like you know it's important to me to talk about the things that were like um like I don't want to say they were they were minor but like didn't I had no concept of like that being um like a toxic traumatic abusive situation when I was 14 um and I guess 
the like what I was also going to talk about was like the more complicated as an adult my experience of a toxic relationship mostly just involved like somebody telling me something um about our relationship or about themselves like telling me something that they we to expect from our relationship um in a way that wasn't really truthful or that they didn't follow through on and then kind of um making me feel unreasonable for pointing it out or you know being disappointed or having a reaction about it so let's let's do some specifics yes. of that maybe yeah I'm to make a, it more clear right i'm about yeah. to get into it that's kind of my preface is like okay. we talked about one thing and now the other thing is like in, in my partner before pat um like one of the first things when we started dating was that we he had a primary partner when we first started dating they broke up within like a month and a half and then for a while we were seeing each other like all like a three-day weekend every weekend and then after a few months he started being kind of unavailable on the weekends and I was like I got upset because I was like oh I didn't expect that you would be busy like every Friday and some of Saturday and Sunday now because we've been spending all this time together and he was like I told you not to expect this from me like I told you not to get used to it like I you know chiding me for being upset because he's like well I told you not to feel this way so you shouldn't be feeling this way and it's on you that you're having this reaction because I told you that this was going to happen and I felt really bad for I was like I broke the rules um and uh, speaking as somebody who has an incredibly difficult time with emotional validation um so it was really just pushing my you know that button for me basically that was that was yeah that was kind of the template for the things that were toxic in our relationship was like confusing things we're like you know almost a year into our relationship I wanted to spend like the weekend before our Monday anniversary together and he was like that would mean I didn't see my other partner for five weeks instead of four weeks I have to see her that weekend because it's important to me that it's once a, once a month not every five weeks and I was like that makes me upset like I'm you know we were primary partners at that point. And I was like, I want to make this decision as a couple. And he was like, like, how would you like, that means my needs are met. My needs with my other part. Like this is Im as important to me is to make sure this happens every five weeks rather than every four weeks. And I was like, I must be wrong for having this feeling. Like, I can't believe I'm this unreasonable. And when our relationship finally broke down, like, like basically he, he, we took a, he decided we needed to take a break for a month two days into the break he came back and he was like I understand now he was like I need to do less of this like basically what he came back and said was like I don't want to be primary partners I don't want to have responsibility in this relationship and I want to my other partner my new partner to be equivalently as important in my life I want to split you know split my time between the two of you so he basically downgraded me and one of the things that he said was that how much that I was relying on him and wanted to spend time with him was emotionally abusive to him. And I was going, like, I was really clinging on to our relationship because I was reacting to how much he had a foot out the door. So it was like just like a toxic circle where I was like, I want to see you all the time. I want all of your free time. I used to see you all the time. And, like, now I don't. Um, oh, another example of that was, like, we spent a whole summer this was earlier. We spent a whole summer. He was basically living in my apartment, sleeping there like five, six days a week, keeping stuff there for four months. At the end of it, I was like, oh, my God, like, I, it's really hard for me because I'm finding myself like wanting to have this. Like, we've basically been living together and I would like to to, you know, to be like, I, I want I kind of want this. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, that sucks. You feel that way. Um, It was never like a conversation, never like you know a negotiation he was like I have all these needs my our relationship is predicated on them and none of them can be compromised um even though he was like supporting me a lot by like listening to caring a lot of my emotional like a lot of my men mental illness baggage um so this is a terrible dynamic and so we yeah we broke up and he was like primary partnership never meant that you were more important than anybody else like why did you think that that me meant that and I was like, what the, like, we, you, you offered this to me six months ago and we had a conversation about it. And like, 
the definition of primary partnership is like your primary, your most important relationship. That's where your energy goes. And he basically was like making me feel crazy for thinking that that was the agreement of our relationship. And so like those were the kinds of things that were going on with him. Was it abusive? Not really. But like, like this is basically the, the conclusion is like he talked the talk, didn't walk the walk, and then made me feel wrong for having a reaction. So like the thing I learned from that that we can kind of end on is like um, I've I became very wary of people telling me that they were going to do something in our or tell, telling me that they valued something in our relationship, telling me that they were going to give me something in our relationship that we were going to that we were agreeing to something about our relationship and I only like I I waited until I had some kind of proof that that was actually going to be the case um my therapist has encouraged me to really only focus on actions and and very little on words um like if somebody is genuinely coming to you like is genuinely coming to you wanting to spend time with you and it's reliably there like you know that's what matters not if they say like oh I love you so much I want to be with you all the time and then like they don't show up you know um so I would encourage people to go back and listen to like the sticky boy content because I think we you know as kind of like a what are the parameters for somebody who's kind of like for for the power imbalance the signs of it and like what does kind of um like vague manipulation look like um or like a toxic parameters of a toxic situation um i think yeah like the first two episodes we talk about that a lot um is there anything you want to add brie i know that like that was me dumping like half an hour of trauma i i don't know like I wanted to be able to talk about, like, specific stuff that, like, happened with me. And it's just kind of, like, I don't know. I'm having trouble pinpointing it, I guess. Like, yeah. some of the stuff felt, like, really parallel to what you said. But, like, some of it, I guess, like, felt different. Like, I don't know. My brain feels weird time i know i'm like even though like i'm like hearing you i'm like yeah that's valid i'm like questioning my own things being like is it that bad that's the trick that's the trap that's like literally why i'm talking about this because i was like thought that exact my therapist talks about how i would come in every week and be like i'm so upset about this thing that happened in my relationship what did i do wrong like why am i so bad um but i think it's possible that, i mean we're, we're recording this in advance and we're gonna be um you know we're not going to be recording again for a little while it's possible that like when we get to the may episode that you'll have like some more time to sort through stuff and like we could do a brie trauma feature totally. i would like i would like to be able to do that i know this was a lot about my experiences today no i'm glad we like i don't know i think it would just be like more confusing for our audience if i'm like they don't know what happened uh they were mean and they said that they wanted to do what I wanted and then they didn't do it. But then they said that th they were doing it <laughs> and I was confused. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, as a teaser for whenever I come back, mm. I'm going to have to revisit my first serious relationship and see what that did for me. Because I definitely like had a lot of trouble and like manipulative stuff and power imbalance stuff happening in my more recent toxic relationship but the first one like I think I like never addressed the issues from it yeah like I yeah I don't know a lot about your first relationship I feel like there are a couple people that you told me about that were significant before I knew you but I don't know anything about them almost or and I know a little bit yeah like I think I have this tactic of um delayed reaction at the time it was really traumatic and awful and I told myself it wasn't that bad and I um 
broke up with him and felt relief and was like not even sad about it and was just like excited and then I just started like yeah like sleeping with a bunch of people and like bad stuff happened like in those situations too Mm -hmm. but I felt more self-determined I guess yeah even though like some of it was really bad and like a method of self-harming I guess by like using other folks so like maybe that's something to talk about too but then yeah my more recent toxic relationship um that has a lot of parallels to your relationship with John we keep saying we're gonna fall in love on the air by doing 36 questions but every week or like every month we fall in love on the air yeah, so. we're already in love, so it's cool. Yeah. But we'll get to it. Well, yeah, I think... Once we have a more of, like, an audience base who, like, cares if we fall in yeah. love. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the 47 downloads, guys. What was yes. it? 47? For, uh, 43. 43. We're really excited because we have 43 entire downloads over the history of our podcast, and that's, like, 10 people per episode. More than 10 people per episode is, like... I can't... I'm, like, if one person listened to something that I said not directly to their face that's like i can't believe there's so much impact yeah so we actually have to sign off but stay tuned for that exciting content um and to hear about how brie is faring in pittsburgh um and whatever else whatever other exciting adventures are happening between now and then wish my luck on my depression everybody i wish wish my luck wish (laughs) me I wish all of your luck to you. Thank you. And this is Chloe. This is Bree. And we're signing off. <sighs> to take I, a nap. Time for my nap. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>